Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. I am excited about sharing this morning. I've stumbled into a series. I'm not very good at series. They've told me for years, you know, if we sit down and plan what I was going to preach, then we could advertise it better and more people would show up. And uh, I fall into series. I I teach very prophetically. I I have to feel that God's speaking to me. I have to feel like I'm responding to what. So if, if I wrote a series, I wouldn't use it. So it, it would, I would, uh, uh, I was telling Carrie the other day, I really labor over what is it God wants me to share? What is it that's apropos of the moment? Uh, I really do believe God's called me to that kind of an office. So a couple of weeks ago, I stumbled into one of these series and I've been using first Peter chapter five as kind of my kickoff point. And so first uh, Peter chapter five, and they'll get the Bible on the screen and you can just follow along there if you want to, or you can first uh, Peter five, six, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Uh, I could just preach on uh, up in due time in due time, say in due time. It, it's in his timing. Uh, I promise you there, there's a promise there that he's going to lift us up. There, there's a lifting coming. Uh, okay. Cast all your anxiety to him because he cares for you. Cast. Be self-controlled, sober, and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He, he, he's just a liar that's loud. I just want you to know. Looking for someone to devour, to feed on. That's why it's called a Facebook feed. Oh, well. Uh, resist him. Say, resist him. The word I had a few weeks ago was you can't resist what you don't recognize. Standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings and the God of all grace who called you this eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while, we don't like that. We don't like that. Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We don't don't like that after a little while. We We don't... We don't like that point. But how do we live in these uncertain times? That's the real question I'm trying to pose to us. How do we take our minds back in the middle of mind-blowing realities? In this age of anxiety, can we take control of our thoughts? Can we we actually operate in a humble way and recognize, do we really get it that there has always been a battle for our thinking? that the prodigal had to wake up and come to himself, that the demoniac uh, was sitting there in his right mind, that God speaks to Peter and says, you're not mindful of the things of God, that it appears to me that Christ comes and throughout his earthly ministry, it appears that one of the main things he did was help people to recover good thinking, that if we're supposed to seek the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, that there's many people that never get their mind. I, I realized a number of years ago that part of my responsibility was to help people get their mind saved. Because you can get your heart saved, but if your mind lags behind, you got a real problem. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I know a lot of people that come to Christ in their heart, but they never take the discipline and the work to get their mind to line up with the God that's now living in their heart. So it, it, it's, it's a work, right? And it's to understand that many times our earthly mindset is opposed to the things of God. I mean, Peter one minute's calling him Christ, and the next minute he's saying, no, you can't go to the cross. 
I mean, Matthew 16. No, you can't. In other words, the mind of man is many times unable to grasp the plan of God because the plan of God seems so off, right? I mean, tithing is the results of a mind that's been renewed. People that don't have their minds renewed have trouble giving. I mean, tithing is something that comes along as the mind is developed in the ways of God. So God, God says to us that we need to resist these thoughts that come and that those thoughts themselves are adversarial. They're adversarial. The thoughts that come from the enemy are adverse, opposed, contrary to the things that God is trying to do. And so there's a lot of thoughts that roars through our mind. Have you ever had your mind just roar at you? And a couple of years ago, I preached a series of messages called Run at the Roar. I've asked Lucas to pull them back up and make them available. I did about three. Run at that roar in your mind that's opposed to the things of God. You don't want to listen to it. You want to resist it. But you've got to recognize that they are adverse. Uh, come on, you ever, you ever had a video just play over and over in your head? State Farm is... I mean, come on. Hey, some of those stupid commercials, I wake up in the middle of the night and they're going... Arr! Right? Uh, 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 my grandkids, we don't, when we go to the little cabin, we don't have any internet. We don't have any of that stuff. But we got all kinds of DVDs and that kind of thing. If I have to watch Pink Panther one more time... I mean, over the last three years, I have watched Pink Panther 1, 2, 13, 14. We have watched it over every night. We, or Get Smart. Have you ever... I mean, you go to bed and Pink Panther's on, you wake up, Pink Panther... Have you ever had one of those videos just play over and over in your mind to where you just... Uh, I mean, they now put DVD players in cars. If I have to listen to that fish and that bird thing right back here that's playing, never mind. I got it. So you have to be able to recognize something in order to resist it. I'm going to tell you a little story this morning, and I like this story because it's real. So many stories in the Bible are so outlandish, you know, casting demons out of legions and legions out of people and, you know, raising people up. But this story is so real. It's, I thought about this the other day, Carrie, when we were talking. This, this, is, this is a story I can go, uh-huh, that happened. This is a great story. It's found in Luke Gospel, 10th chapter. Uh, and, and so the whole basis of what I'm trying to do these two or three weeks is how do you get control of your mind in a world that's filled with worry? That's the, that's the question. Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, say on their way. Have you ever had stuff just happen on the way? Stuff you didn't plan for. I mean, more stuff happened to Jesus while they were on their way than happened, they were just on their way to a village where a woman named Martha opened their, her home to them. Say it's her home. Didn't say it's Lazarus' home. Didn't say it's Mar- Mary's home, it's Martha's home. Say it's Martha's home. Man, the word Martha means master. Let's understand something. She paid the bills. Let's understand something. She cleaned the house. I mean, and they were on their way. You ever just had some of the greatest things that's ever happened to me in my life? I was just, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't planning on that. I just got interrupted. I mean, some of the greatest conversations I've ever had have been standing in a gas station or, or, or at the edge of the driveway at Walmart or on a boat dock. I mean, just I didn't anticipate it. It was an unplanned blessing that just kind of popped. You do understand, I was chasing another girl. 
Oh, you get it. 45 years ago, I was, I was wanting another girl, and Annie showed up. She, she was smarter than I was. She said she was supposed to marry me in the eighth grade, but it took a while for me to wake up. And I, I was upset because this other girl had said, no, I won't go on a date with you. And Annie slams the locker and said, we need to go get a Coke. Okay. Some of the best things ever happened in my life have been interruptions. I wasn't planning on that. Oh, come on. Some of you are looking at me like, huh? Interruption. See, not every interruption is a distraction. Not every interruption is a distraction. So before you get upset by your child interrupting you, you might want to pay attention. It could be an invitation. Every interruption is not a distraction. It could be an invitation of God to go to another level in your own life. Sometimes we get all upset about the stuff we weren't planning on in 2020. All this stuff that's going on that feels like an interruption. I wonder if it's an invitation from God to go to another dimension of His presence. I wonder if all the challenges that are happening while we're on our way, and listen, Jesus was on His way to Jerusalem. Now, He wasn't going to the cross this time, but He was mapping out the journey. Jesus was mapping out the journey that He eventually would walk to Jerusalem to die. He was headed there, and a woman named Martha opened her home to Him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had to say, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Say had. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. And the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken to her. Now we've all heard this story, right? How many... This, I'm not telling you, you've read this a thousand times. Uh, we've heard it, Martha's distracted. Tell her to help Martha. Martha, you're worried about so many things. Have you ever had someone so upset and you were around them and you asked them what bothers you and they said everything? <laughs> it's hard to help somebody when they come in my office and sit down and say, okay, what's the matter? And they go, everything. I'm thinking, we got an hour. Real seriously, everything? Uh, I mean, how many of you have gone home and your wife looked at you and said, how was your day? Bad. What happened? Everything went wrong. I mean, how many times do we get stressed out? And we can't tell you why we're stressed out. It's just the roar in our mind says life is no good. Oh, I'm, I mean, it's roaring at you. Nobody likes you. Nothing went right. The whole world's against you. You know, I mean, how many times... We just get, it's not one thing, it's everything. I think that's what's going on in America today. It's everything. I mean, we're not, we're not mad at them, we're mad at all of them. Right? And if we're not careful, we'll pinpoint it on the dog. You know, go home and just kick the dog. Poor dog. <laughs> Truthfully, frankly, most people edit scenes out of their life. They edit scenes out of their day. They'll go pick up 15 seconds over here, and 15 seconds over here, a snapshot of that back there, and they put it together, and then they pick something out in the future that might happen, could happen, oh my God, and they, they imagine that one, and we have a preview of future tragedies, and we put it all together, and we play this video in our minds, and we are upset. Because we've gone, 
And we play it over and over. We get up. And then, then, then we go on the news feed and we let them show us the same clip of the same tragedy. Do you know they save that stuff? Did you know there's one guy with one camera and he sells that to every feed? And so you see the same house burning on, never mind. See, we put these regrets and these rejections and these failures and these fears of the future and we put them together and we meditate on it. You do understand that worry is just meditation in a negative way. And, 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 and then other little things trigger it, you know. Somebody says something and we're off to the races and the roar just continually gets, I love this story because it's real. This is an ordinary story that's intrigued me for many years. You wonder why? Because it happens. Two women fighting over who cooked what. Two women in the kitchen on family, oh, Thanksgiving. Have you ever been to Thanksgiving and had Aunt Mabel and Aunt Bertha fight over whose apple pie we were going to make? Oh, you have been to my house. <laughs> Listen, if you're from Oklahoma, we argue over the kind of potato stew we're going to make tonight. Are we going to make this kind of cornbread or that kind of cornbread? Are we having stovetop stuffing or whose stuffing's the better stuffing? You get, this is real. I mean, you get 12 stinky fishermen and a wannabe rabbi just drop in for lunch. Come on, think about this. They just drop in, and, and you got Mary over in a corner going, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, we got a meal to cook here. I got to tell you, I, this, this story, I mean, I get it that Mary's the good one, but I kind of feel for Martha. Oh, maybe you don't. I, I would not hire Mary. I ain't giving Mary a job. She's singing Kumbaya in the corner when we got to get children's church set up. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I mean, I, I, come on, come on, think about it. M Mary is flirting around at the front of the church, and Martha's doing the work. I never, okay, maybe you don't. You've never hired anybody, have you? You never had anybody work for you. I'm, I'm telling you, if you ever got to work, have you ever worked with a Mary? Ding dong. She's telling the dream she had last night. I don't care about the dream she had last night. We got to get this product in the truck. Oh, well, this. I wouldn't, I'm not. <laughs> it's, okay, this is real. This isn't somebody walked on water. But the one thing needed, Mary has chosen the better, and it'll not be taken away. That's just not fair. That's just not fair. I, I, I like the Martha that's serving. She's opening up her kitchen to travelers, and, and, and you can hear her voice. Tell her. Can't you hear it? Tell her. You, you, you can, it, it's, I like Dr. Phil. I like Dr. Phil. I like Dr. Oz. I used to watch Oprah some. Have you ever watched any of those things? And, and they come on there and they tell you to stop yelling at your kids. I'll never forget walking down in the basement 15, 20 years ago. And here's Oprah with some real skinny. And he's going, you need to stop yelling at your kids. And I remember standing there staring at that while my four kids were doing something. And, and I remember thinking, you ain't spending any time with my kids. 
I'm, stop. If you don't yell at your kids regularly, you're not paying attention. I'm serious. If you don't yell at them at least once a day, you're ignoring them. I mean, this is, I love this when they come into my office. No, we never fight. Get out. <laughs> Go home. We never argue. Go home. What that means is you're so disengaged, you don't care. Just go home. It's not even real. Human beings face issues in their lives. If you're not yelling at your kids, you're not paying attention. If you're not arguing with her or him sometimes, one of you is brain dead. I'm serious. You just don't care. You don't listen. You just ignore him or her and go do what you want to do. You don't fight. You just don't live together. No one's going to come to me for marriage counseling anymore. <laughs> That's okay. I don't make a lot of money at it anyway. <laughs> you, you, oh, okay. I love you. I'm glad you're here because they're not really enjoying much of this. <laughs> I mean, you got to get this. Jesus isn't upset with Martha's actions. He's upset with her attitude. He's not upset with her actions. She's doing good stuff here. She didn't get up this morning and say, I'm going to cook meth. I mean, she's doing something good here. She's cooking him dinner. It's not that she's getting up doing bad stuff. She's not watching, you know, come on. He's not upset with what she's doing. See, if we're going to take our minds back, we're going to have to renew our thoughts because she was distracted. You know what the word distracted means? It means pulled apart means split. It means separated. It, it means, listen, have you ever had your mind pulled? You know, I have discovered something in the last six months. This fish oil isn't working. You know how they tell you take fish oil and it makes your brain work? It, it's not working right now. My brain is still going, oh, I'm, I'm split apart. I'm, I, I got to fix this meal, but I need to go worship. I got to worship, but I got to go fix this meal. I just can't. I've got too much to do. I can't get seen. She wasn't distracted by bad stuff. I mean, she, she had good reports on the Airbnb. I mean, she's constantly got a good place to sleep and makes good meals. And Martha's problem here, she makes this mistake of thinking that what's important to her ought to be important to Mary. Martha makes the mistake that it's her priorities that ought to be superimposed on everybody else. Martha makes the mistake that she expects Mary to operate in the same giftings that she does. That she thinks she can put on other people what God has placed on her. Martha moves this line from management to manipulation. And she begins to try to control the situation. Have you ever, have you ever had your mind start trying to take control over things that you had no control of. See, that's an attitude that we're in charge. And you, you can get this mind that wants to control others and you'll move from management to manipulation and you'll use the tone of your voice to try to manipulate other people into doing what it is you think they need to do. And Jesus is going, oh, wait a minute, Martha. What you're doing is important, but the tone... <laughs> I mean, Martha had her hands firmly on the wheel, right? And Mary is sitting over in the corner go, let Jesus take the wheel. Can I tell you something about that? If you let Jesus take the wheel, you're going to meet him pretty soon. It's a great song. It's stupid thinking. 
Martha understood, you gotta, you'll get it in a minute. Country songs are dumb. Let Jesus take the wheel. Bye. <laughs> See you later. Martha understood that you have to keep your hands on the wheel, but Martha wanted to take your wheel too. And you don't get to do that. She wanted to drive Mary's car as well as her own. See, my stupid joke works, right? So we have to get out of this thinking that we're in control. We have to get out of this thinking that we can establish other people's priorities. Because i got to tell you, generally, it's a cover-up for the fact that your life is out of control. When you're trying to control other people, it generally is a cover-up that on the inside, you're out of control. And so you're trying to control that which... See, when you can't control your own stuff, you try to control other stuff because it makes you feel like... <laughs> She's in... in, in she had too high of expectation. Tell her, tell her to help me. Didn't even use her name. Tell your kids. <laughs> right? How many of you ever tell your kids to pick up their room? You, you're not even going to use their name. You're so angry. Can you feel that? I, I mean, tell your wife. What? Tell tell. I love it. Dad, tell mom to let us. You're out of your mind. I have fun with her. I tolerate you. You'll get that in a minute too. No, I have too much fun with your mother. I, I ain't telling her nothing. Her and I are in agreement. Now what is it we agreed to? I mean, I, I'm sorry. You've just caught me at a moment where I'm just going to, hey, tell, tell. See, the real problem here is that Martha's script had Mary doing some work. The problem here is that in her script, her husband gets home at 5.30 and helps her set the table. In her script, the kids are like those kids on TV. In her script, my marriage is like... In her script, 2020 was... And, and she's angry because... It didn't fit her script. She had written a script. And this is where you fit in that script. But can I tell you something? Jesus is the author. And the finisher. Mary wanted to be the director and the producer of her own story. And the truth of the matter is, is Jesus wrote the story and he'll direct the play. See, that's that control thinking that we have to believe and understand I actually believe that this story is about the two becoming one. I actually have a Mary and a Martha living in me at the same time. I really do. I, I, have, this, I have this Martha that just thinks we ought to fix everything, but I have this Mary that wants to worship all day. And, and it really is about God putting those together, and that what we do becomes our worship, and that what our worship becomes what we do. And Mary, Martha was so distracted that she missed the point because she had such a perfectionist attitude lying down on the inside of her. And that, that, that need to be perfect, that need to be recognized, put pressure on her life. Have you ever had a mind that was filled with pressure to perform in such a manner that someone would like you? Martha had this mind that was pressured by the circumstances 
Verse 40 says she was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. She was under pressure. Have you noticed how many people are under pressure this year? They're just under pressure. And so they're trying to control, and that control drives them under pressure. And they begin to make statements like, I have to. Tell her to help me. I have to do something. And the the thing that they volunteered to do has become an obligation. And they've lost the sense of I want to. I had people, listen, I can remember years ago I screamed at the kids, I have to go preach. I have to go to this Bible study. I have to go. And I remember getting about halfway down the driveway and the Lord said, you don't have to. You don't have to. Suddenly this calling that was on my life had become an obligation rather than a privilege. Somehow she opens her, you know, she volunteers. Jesus didn't ask her to open the house. It was her idea. She volunteers to do this, but suddenly that which she volunteered to is no longer a privilege, but an obligation. I have, can I tell you something? You don't have to, you don't have to go to work. You can live outside. You, you don't have to do your homework. You, you don't have to do anything. It's a mindset. Somebody's forcing me. I got to have pressure and I got to perform. Uh, I can see Martha in the, in the kitchen. <laughs> Throwing pots and pans reminds me of my kids when I used to ask them to take the trash out. <sighs> well, pastor, why do you think people ought to serve in the church? Well, why do you think we have ushers and greeters and some? Listen, there's going to be golden diaper awards in heaven. I'm serious. They're, they're going to give golden diapers to the ladies changing babies' diapers back here. We serve because as we do to one another, we serve Him. But if our service to Him becomes a pain in our behind, Jesus asks us to check our thinking. He didn't demand she cook the meal, but if she's going to cook the meal, I want you to do it with... See, we have to recognize these controlling mindsets, these mindsets that put pressure on us. We have to realize that if we keep going down this road, we'll adapt a victim mentality. And we'll be victimized. Tell her, I'm by myself. And we'll begin to judge others and we'll make victim. You do understand the way you judge other people is the way they're going to judge you. That the way you judge other people will make you a victim of the judgment that you've passed. It's funny to me, I watch people and they pull out their, isn't that a cute baby? Well, not that cute. <laughs> They're on vacation again. That word again just ruins the whole thing, right? Again. Uh, <laughs> the way you judge other people, see, someone ought to tell her not to she opened her home she overcommitted she had to there was this digression of thought process that she tried to control she got under pressure and she became a martyr in her own world cast all your cares on the Lord even your anxiety over serving him Jesus didn't need your cooking Jesus just wants to be with you 
He doesn't love you for what you do. He loves you because of who he is. He didn't say, Martha. He went, Martha, Martha, honey, you're, you're distracted and worried. You need to rethink that. You need to think about this again. Mary chose this. See, if you allow this kind of thinking to keep moving, spinning, racing, roaring in your mind, you'll become so frustrated. You'll be so frustrated. Mary was sitting there listening, and Martha was, hmm. It, it, Martha needed to move out of the director's chair. She needed to move out of that chair and, and allow. In this story, Martha never says anything. Because there's nothing to say, right? You're caught. If you ever arrest bad thinking in your life, you know you're caught. If somebody ever points out to you, don't think about it like that. You know you're caught. When it's that real, come on. When God speaks to you about something you're thinking or something you said, there is no defense, right? I'm caught. I had someone the other day say something about I got and they named what it is they thought they had. I said, don't ever say that in front of me again. They never, ha- they didn't say, Terry was with me. I said, don't you say that in my presence again. They had no response. Why? Because it's that truthful. There's no argument about it. Martha had no argument. She knew she was trying to control the situation. She knew that she was under pressure and that she was feeling victimized. and She, was fr- she knew that, so she didn't say anything because there's nothing to say. But if you go to John's Gospel, the 11th chapter, it's the story about how Lazarus has died. And Martha sent a text message to get Jesus there, and Jesus doesn't come, and Lazarus dies. You remember that? And in John 11, verse 20, now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him, but Mary was still in the house singing Kumbaya. Can't you see Martha standing at the end of the driveway with her hands on her hips going, where have you been? Come on, this is Martha. And she's standing there waiting on him. I mean, Martha's still trying to control a few things. She's waiting on him. And she's standing there. She's got this tone in her voice. In verse 21, she said, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother, can you hear this? She's still got this. If you just, listen, I'm a little frustrated. I had an expectation. I have waited on you hand and foot. I've gone to church. I've paid my tithe. I've stayed faithful to, I've served you. You've stayed in this bed and breakfast. And you didn't come. You didn't answer my prayer. You didn't do what I asked you to do. I had this expectation and I thought you would come and you didn't come. But she catches herself. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he'll give to you. She catches herself. This is growth. This is growth. I know you can do it. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. This is the first time that they're conversing. Notice what's going on. Now they're in a conversation. A while ago there was no conversation. Today there's a conversation. She's moved. She's come to understand that Jesus is there 
to open up resurrection. That Jesus has a plan. She's caught the idea that Jesus will die and rise again. I know he will in the resurrection. She gets it. And Jesus said, yeah, but, but, but let me expand your thinking even further. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Can I change your thinking? That the story that's in your mind is not big enough. Can I change your thinking that you're not in control of anything? Can I change your thinking that you don't need to be pressured about anything? Can I change your thinking that you're not the victim I am? Can I change your thinking that what you've been expecting is not enough? Can I open your mind to think far and above and beyond anything you could ever ask and imagine? Martha, I want you to move from thinking you got to control it to knowing that I got the whole world in my hands. That I got your brother, I've got you, I've got your sister. That when I get done doing what I'm going to do, that you'll know that I am everything you need. That it's not you that serves me, but it's me that serves you. Can you see how he's adjusting secular humanistic thinking? Because she was thinking in a humanistic way, and he's trying to get her to think. Wow, what then shall we do? Repent and be baptized and the gift of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. There is a call today to repent. But if you don't know what you're supposed to repent from, you won't get it. Repentance is more than being sorry over stealing the bubblegum. Repentance is more than being sorry over being a sinner. He knows we're sinners. To repent means to change your mind. To repent means to think differently. To think in a higher way. Repentance is not standing there and saying, I'm sorry because I did or didn't do this. Repentance is letting God renew your mind so that you think after God. In the midst of this world, we do need to repent of our sins. But what we really need to do is what Paul will write to Timothy. May he grant you repentance. May he grant you the grace to where you don't get stuck in thinking you're in control. Thinking that you're under pressure. Thinking that you're the victim or that you're the author of the story. To repent means, God, let me have a new mind. That I think like you think. That it's not, I just don't need to even direct you that, yes, I believe. To repent. To change. Listen, I know many people who have ascended to the fact that they are sinners and that the blood covered their sin. But they've never allowed God to change the way they think. And so they approach life thinking that they have to do something. Am I making any sense? Now listen, Martha doesn't sit down on her hands. In John's Gospel, the 12th chapter, verse 2, the last thing we hear about Martha is 
Jesus was at the house of Lazarus, his friend who has been dead. And Martha is serving him. But now she's serving him with a different mindset, a different attitude, a different way of thinking. That's repentance. Because if you think the thoughts of God, if you have his mind, can I tell you all those moral sins we're trying to figure out what to do with, they'll be handled because we'll be thinking differently. That's real repentance. That's true repentance. Repentance is this gift that we're given because Christ keeps moving us beyond our limitations. How do we take our minds back? Resist those thoughts to control, manipulate. Resist those thoughts of being under pressure. Resist those thoughts of feeling like you're a victim. Resist those thoughts of frustration. Resist them. Recognize them. Push them back. I love what Peter writes in the fourth chapter. He's thinking it not strange when these fiery trials have come to try you. But rejoice. But rejoice. You can feel that. I'm going to repent from thinking silly. And suddenly his thoughts begin to come. And I begin to feel his joy. As I begin to realize, oh, he's got something better in mind than I had scripted. Listen, this has not been a good year for the plans that I had laid. (laughs) Because I had laid some pretty good plans. And this has not been a great year for that. But in the last few weeks, I've begun to realize God has better plans. And I I need to begin to think better. Right? I need to think... Hallelujah. I think you can feel that. I don't think anybody needs to be telling you where that is in your life. I think you already know. I think the Holy Spirit comes into each one of us personally and starts pointing out that thought process and going, don't do that. I think that's conviction. I don't think I need to do it. But I think as I've delivered the word, you can, you can, you're sitting in it going... And he'll show up next week and he'll go, hey. And then he'll show up the next week and he'll go, hey. The mature Martha is just serving the Lord. Father, my prayer this morning is that all those thoughts of pressure and worry and anxiety, that, Lord, we would truly follow Peter's suggestion and would just lay them at your feet would let go of a way of thinking that hinders us and hurts us. That we would allow you, Father God, to grant us your repentance and your freedom that we might think like you think, walk like you walk, serve as you've called us to serve, remain patient in moments of tribulation. Hallelujah. 
Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.